Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Terry. I'm one of the pastors here. And if it's your first time, it's a joy to welcome you to Ocean View. Um, we, we are in the middle of a message series entitled Family Dysfunction. And uh, can we kind of started this off last week by saying we love as families to project that we have everything together. Uh, but if we were honest, in our darkest moments as husbands, wives, as parents, we've had those moments. Uh, we like to put the fun back in dysfunction, as we typically like to say. And we, we asked ourselves this question as we kind of entered into this month, is what if we could approach these holidays where we gather family together? What if, despite our dysfunction, that we could begin moving every single day a little bit closer to functionality, that we can get a little bit better, that we can take a few extra steps? So when we gather around the Thanksgiving Day table, rather it being the same Thanksgiving as every single year, that we can pour into one another, encourage one another, um, and challenge one another. And selfishly, I'm going to do something, if you're watching at home in the balcony on the floor, just because this family is very special to me, Allison, who just got baptized, I see her in the front row, so proud. Where is she? She's so proud of you. Way to go. I'm so encouraged. Your hair was all wet. I'm so proud of you. Way to go. Just had to do that. I just, because I can so anyway, with that being said, um, what we thought we'd do is take a look at God's word um, when it comes to decisions. Now, this week has not been a week of any type of decision whatsoever, I know. So what we thought, though, is that we would jump in and that we would um, ask five questions before we make a decision. Um, I've been privileged the last uh, 12 years to travel and to speak around the country. And um, in doing so, I've been able to meet some incredible leaders. Um, and one of those leaders is by the name of Andy Stanley. And I, uh, I had the privilege of having lunch with Andy a few years ago, getting to know him, his story. If you don't know him, his father is Charles Stanley uh, from Atlanta. And uh, Andy is brilliant. He's a, a graduate at Dallas Theological Seminary, just an incredible mind. Um, and he just came out with a book uh, just recently that we picked up and we started thumbing through. Uh, and it's it called uh, Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets. And uh, it's got five great questions. And so uh, in reading that, I was like, man, this is so good. Everybody needs to hear this kind of stuff. And so what I did, though, is I said, you know, these principles, I know that God's word speaks to each one of these principles. And so what I thought I'd do today is as we begin to make decisions, what are five questions that we need to ask ourselves? But even better, what does God say about those questions and how do they frame our decision-making process. And so if you're a note taker, I encourage you to take notes um, because it's very practical. You can start today by asking these questions. And so we're going to jump in. In order to frame our discussion, though, I want to bring you to the book of Proverbs. It's, it's a, a lot of principles of wisdom. Solomon wrote most of Proverbs. And as you look at it, he gives a ton of wisdom. And we want to launch off this day by reading this in Proverbs 12, 15. The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. And the author right away says, basically, if you're about to make a decision, if you make a decision without thinking about it and without getting any kind of wisdom or any kind of counsel, you're a fool. 
Now, right away, that should impact every single one of us because I don't know if you're like me, but I make a lot of decisions in the moment by myself all the time. And what Solomon basically is saying is if you activate like that, if, you're, if your action steps are like that, then you are acting foolish because the wise, they have a process they filter every decision through. They have people that come alongside of them in the major decisions that help them make these decisions. And so with that being said, let's jump through five questions we should ask ourselves to give us more wisdom so we don't act like fools. Let's take the first one. First one is this, am I being honest with myself? Really? I put that really there because the truth is how many of us were about to make a decision and we're like, ooh, I love this, I love this, I love it. yes, 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 yes. And if we pause for a moment saying, with what I'm about to do and what I'm about to say, what I'm about to tweet, what I'm about to post, Am I being honest with myself? Really? Let me give you a case in point. I remember uh, a few years ago, I'm a smart home addict. I, I, um, Alexa is, uh, has residence in my house. Um, she helps me with my lights, turns them on. And, uh, and so at my house, um, you know, I was sitting there looking at how to build my smart home collection. And, and it was right around Thanksgiving time, Black Friday-ish. And so I, I went to the store and uh, I was looking at the new Echo Shows. This was back in the day. It has a screen. And now we have echoes in, in all of our, you know, rooms and stuff like that. And so um, I remember sitting there and I talked to Jennifer about it. And Jennifer's like, we do not need another screen in this house, I promise. And I'm like, oh, I know, I know. I'm just going to go look. I'm just going to go look. And so I went over to Best Buy and I'm walking through the store and I see the new Echo Show. And I'm like, ooh. And then, you know, they, they, they kind of grab people like me because they turn it on and you see it and it's got, ooh, ooh, look at this. And so then watch what happens. You're sitting there and you're going, you know, I could really use this. I mean, the truth of the matter is, is that we live in Myrtle Beach and a lot of our families in Florida and the grandparents are in Florida. And, you know, if we had this and if the grandparents had this, the grandparents would be able to see their grandson. And if I don't get this and put this in our house, they're not going to be able to see their grandson. And then I'm not honoring them as grandparents. And that would be against what God would want because to honor the grandparents would to show them our grandchild. What kind of man hides their grandchild from the grandparents? Some of you are saying, amen. You're writing notes saying, I need to go through that kind of train of thought to purchase. No. But if I were to stop for a moment and saying, okay, with all that being said, Terry, are you being honest with yourself? Really? Probably the answer is no. I'm, I'm really, you know, kind of having a conversation with myself. And, and I thought about this this week. Here's the truth. Have you ever had to talk yourself into a good idea? Think about this. You never have to talk yourself into a good idea. I stood there and my wife sitting there looking at me saying, we don't need another screen in the house. I'm looking at the price tag. It's a little pricier than I want. And I just basically said, if I don't walk out of this store with this screen, I'm dishonoring parents. How do you get there? But many of us, we talk ourselves into bad ideas all the time. Here's another thing that we do. And I just want to caution you because we're getting up at the holidays. And guys, I'm very, very sorry because I'm going to out us. There are a lot of us that we go ahead and we excuse bad behavior by this. You know, we see something that we want and we go, you know what? The truth is my wife is never going to get that for me. You know, my kids aren't going to buy this. It's way too expensive. No one is going to get me this gift for Christmas because they're, they're, they're not going to go for it. So I just have to take matters into my own hand. And so what you do is, is that you go ahead and excuse away a purchase by saying, this is a to me, love me gift. You ever been there? Oh, it's awesome. I would tell you guys, it's great. You go there Christmas time. You know what? I deserve a to me, love me. And you could talk yourself into that. Here's one thing I would say. If you do the to me, love me, if you talk yourself into things, here's a phrase I want you to ask yourself when it goes back to, again, making decisions without seeking advice. 
If it's not convincing for two, it's not convincing for you. If I were to stand there and look at that Echo Show, and if I were to transport my wife immediately next to me while we're looking at this, she would say, no way, Jose. And if it's not convincing for two, it's not convincing for you. Now, I'm not saying that everybody has to agree. This is not about, well, Terry, unless you can get agreement, you don't make the decision. No, what I am saying, though, is before you make a decision, that you pause that you don't pull the trigger, that you don't fight through, but that you ask yourself these questions so you can say, you know what, I need to wait because if I come home with this, it's going to go right back to the store anyway. I'm going to waste gas. So let me just pause. So the first question, am I really being honest with myself? Really? Here's the second question. It's what story do I want to tell? I'm going to get this in a second. What story do I want to tell? But take a look at this. This comes from John 10, 10. And Jesus says this, the thief, meaning the enemy, the devil, his purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I've preached several times. We did a, a series a couple of years ago in January called um, Storyteller. And we talked about the greatest storyteller ever, which was Jesus Christ. And one of the things that we said is God wants to write a better story for all of our lives. That if we, if we count our, our lives and our days and our months as chapters and, and paragraphs within chapters, each of us, depending whether we are just getting baptized as a young girl or whether we are wise in age and retired, that every moment is a different paragraph and a different chapter that we're writing in our stories. And so when I ask the question, What story are you wanting to write? Jesus says, the story I want you to write is one that is rich and satisfying. So every chapter, if you think of every moment of your life and every decision, what Jesus wants for us is to make decisions that lead to a rich and satisfying life. Now, I can tell you, I have made decisions that were not rich and satisfying. In fact, I would ask myself and I would ask you the question, with the decisions you're about to make, one of the questions you should ask is, am I proud of this story that I'm about to write? If you're in a moment right now of decision and right now you've got a major decision coming, if you pull that trigger, if you say that word, if you post that tweet, are you going to be proud of the story you're about to write? If we were to take a snapshot of this month, Dare I say, if we were to look back this week at some of the discussions, the conversations, the tweets, the Facebook posts, let me ask you a question. If God was standing right beside you, would you be proud of that story? If you're a parent in this room or if you're watching online and you're a parent, here's another question you should ask yourself. What will my kids think when I tell them this story? Every moment of our life is a story that we're writing. And God wants to write a better story for us. I love my dad. My dad passed away a few years ago. And the more and more um, he's distant from me, the more and more I appreciate him, which I'll tell him when I get to heaven. But one of the things that I used to say is, there were a lot of things that I loved about my dad and I want to be like my dad. But I can promise you there's a whole lot about my dad that I absolutely did not want to be like. 
And I think we all are like that, aren't we? We look at our parents and we look at their example and the stories that they write, and nobody is perfect and none of us have a perfect childhood, but what we do is we try to get better. So as we become adults, we look at our examples that were set before us and we say, you know what? I'm gonna do that part differently. I'm not gonna write that same chapter. That chapter for me is going to be different. And here's what I found out as I'm getting wiser in age. It's a whole lot harder for me not to look like the chapters of my parents. It's a whole lot more difficult because why? Because I'm wired like them and because I saw their example. So if we're not careful follower of Jesus and we start getting our pen out and going automatic and we start writing our stories, our stories are gonna look a lot like our parents' story, which for some, praised Jesus. But for a lot of us, I don't know about you, even if you had amazing parents, they would look at you and say, I don't want you to be like me. I want you to be better. Every parent wants their children raised to walk and lead a life that is better than their own. So we should not write our parents' story. We should write a better story. Actually, we should let God write a better story in our lives. So demographically, if you're a husband, if you're wife, if you're young, if you're wise, let me ask this question you need to ask yourself. What story do you want to tell if you're a teenager in this room or watching online today? If you're a teenager and you're sitting here now, what kind of story do you want to write in your life? What kind of decisions are you making now? Is God actively apart and next to you? And are you seeking him and saying, God, how should I write this chapter of my dating life? How should I write this chapter in my working life? And would I be proud of that story? What story do you want to tell as a single adult? What story do you want to tell as a spouse? What story do you want to tell as a parent? And what story do you want to tell as a worker or as an employee? It gets heavy, doesn't it, when we think about the stories we're writing. And all we have to do and what Solomon says is a fool writes their own story without any counsel. But the wise seeks the counsel and the advice of others. And if you're a follower of Jesus, guess what? Who the first individual that we should seek counsel from? It's the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's in his word. Here's a third question we should ask ourselves. Is there a tension that deserves my attention? Let me read this. This is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. If you're a parent, you've read this passage probably. If you're not a Christian, you should circle and highlight Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 because when your child turns 2 and 3, you're going to need that. Just saying. And basically, the author basically says, if you trust in the Lord, he will guide your path. I love what the message, the message is a paraphrased version of scripture. It takes portions of scripture and it rephrases them and gives you a different picture. And I love what the message says about this. And I want to read the message version of this. Take a look at this. It says, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Is there a check in your spirit? Before we make a decision, we have to ask the question, is there a tension that needs my attention? Which basically for me, we use in our home, is there a check in our spirit? Charles Stanley once said, is there a red flag? How many of us have gotten to the place of before you make a decision and you feel a check in your spirit? 
Here's the point. The check in your spirit is not meant to say that if there's a check, that you should not make the decision the way that you want it. That's not the point. A check in the spirit means something needs your attention. You either need to wait, you either need to have a conversation, you either need to get all the facts. There is something that's missing from this equation. A check in the spirit might mean you better not make this decision without your spouse or you're going to get it when you get home. That might be a check in the spirit. You shouldn't make this decision because it should never be made alone if you have a spouse. You should be together and you should be united in this decision. That might be a check in the spirit. A check in the spirit might be, this isn't the person for you. Your passion, everything about you, this individual is not leading you in the right way. And so there's a check. And Before you make another decision to take another step forward, you need to check your spirit. Here's the truth. Sometimes tension needs time. And I think we're afraid to bring attention to the tension. Don't miss this. We're afraid to bring attention to the tension because we're afraid that that pause will mean we don't get what we want. And all I would say to you is a pause does not mean that you don't have to make the decision the way that you want it. There is nothing dangerous about a pause. A pause is wise when there's a check in the spirit. A friend of mine used to always say, there's only one thing worse than waiting on God, and it's wishing you had waited on God. And for a lot of us in this room, we need to ask that question, what tension needs attention? There's a fourth question, and it's what is the wise thing to do? I don't like this question because if I get to this place where I have to ask this question, it means that what I'm about to do is probably not wise. How many of us are there and it's like, yes, I want it, I want it. Okay, let me go through. All right, Pastor Terry said we got some, we got some questions to ask. All right, am I being honest? Yeah, 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 I'm honest. Yeah, 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 yeah really? Yeah, 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 whatever, yeah. Okay, all right, there, there's that question. Okay, you know, like uh, with tension, you know, yeah, tension, yeah, 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 yeah. What's the wise? Okay, never mind. I'm not going to ask that question. But what's the wise thing to do? Paul writes this to the church at Ephesus in five, chapter 5, verse 15 through 17, and I want to go through it. Paul says, so be careful how you live. Again, going back to Proverbs, don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what God wants you to do. I want to break this down. Isn't this amazing? And by the way, if you don't read the Bible, if you're at home and you don't read the Bible in the balconies, you don't read the Bible and, and you're in good company, 84% of all Christians don't read the Bible, so you don't have to fake it anymore. We'll call it out in this room. But here's the truth. Isn't it amazing that all through Scripture there are themes? And the themes are this. It's better to live a life with wisdom than act foolish. And you see that playing out all through hundreds of years of writing the words of God. And Paul writes this and said, Christian, live wise, don't be foolish. And so watch this happens right here. He says, be careful how you live. I want to break this down. He means live carefully. And in the original language, it means pay attention. It's as if, it's as if someone's next to you and you're about to pull the trigger on a decision. And Paul says, whoa, 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 pay attention, pay attention. You're about to do something you're not even realizing. You're not looking at everything. You're not analyzing all the details. You better pause. Wisdom says you need to look at everything and understand everything before you pull the trigger. And then I love what Paul says because later on in that scripture, he uses a term. He says, live, make sure you are avoiding living a thoughtless life. Live thoughtlessly. That word in the original language, it means this. Seize every opportunity in life. Now, don't miss this. We said, am I proud of the story that I'm about to tell? 
And every, if you read a book, isn't it true if you ask authors that have written, if any of you have written books or different things, I've dabbled in that before and I've got some books, different things. But when you write, when I've ever looked back at stuff I've written, I go, oh, I didn't like that chapter. I didn't, oh, I didn't that was a mess. And we go back and we look at the book and we look at our chapters and we go, no, I didn't like that one. Oh, I really like this chapter. I didn't like this chapter. And it's as if Paul says in our lives, in our chapters, every one of those chapters is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to live wise or an opportunity to live foolishly. And here's what we think. We think if we have a bad chapter, don't miss it. This is where I pull my chair up because you all need to focus. Watch this. Sometimes we think if it's a bad chapter, then it's already foolish. Some of you this week, you're feeling like you're having a bad chapter. And right now, there's nothing good about it. But isn't it true that God uses bad chapters for his glory? Isn't it true that even in the midst of valleys, that you can make wise decisions that you look back on and say, it was the worst time in my life, but it was the best time spiritually? How many of you ever done that? Just because the chapter isn't the way you want it or what's written in it doesn't mean it's foolish. God can bring wisdom even to the darkest chapters of our life. Some of you who are not English majors or don't like books, you really don't like me right now. Chapters, paragraphs, come on, Terry, stop talking about that. But it's true. And what Paul says to the church of Ephesus, he says, hey, no matter whether it's a good chapter or a bad chapter, before you make a decision within that chapter, there is a wise way to live your life. Don't just throw the baby out with the bathwater. And so are you proud of your story? And if you are, are you living and making the wise choice? And how do I make the wise choice? This one's going to hurt. If you don't want to hear it, just tune off right now. If you're at home right now and you don't want this, turn it off because you're not going to like this. I promise you. Before you make your decision, if you want to know if you're making the wise choice, here's a question that you have to ask yourself. How does this decision impact my family, my future, and my faith? Could you imagine if every single adult at the age of 21 asked that question before a major decision? Could you imagine every marriage that is struggling if both spouses decided before we make a decision to say something or to do something that we ask this question? And so in this room, how is it going to affect your family, your future, and your faith? Here's the fifth question that we have to ask ourselves. What does love require of me? And you might say, well, Terry, what does that mean? Jesus said it best in John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. If you want to write a story that you are a follower of Jesus and the decisions you make reflect him, then you have to make sure that you make a decision with love at the center. And here's what I mean by that. Does this decision, will this decision show love to somebody? Will this decision lead to love? And will this decision protect love? And there's one more I'm going to get to, but I want to close with this. I think for half of our country, this week has been a phenomenal week. And I think for half our country, this week has been a very difficult and trying one. 
My heart broke because if you were here a couple months ago, I made this statement, which we looked at scripture and we pulled it out. So it's not Terry saying it, it's actually scripture. It's God himself. That God cares more about how his followers treat one another, treat their family, treat their neighbors. He cares far more how, about that than he does about who he's putting in the White House. If you don't believe me, you need to go back and watch those messages. And what broke my heart is I saw friends who are followers of Jesus, die hard and passionate. And I can guarantee you they didn't ask any of the five questions before they made a decision to tweet, to post, to write, and to engage other people. And I can guarantee you they didn't look at this right here and they didn't show love, they didn't lead to love, and they didn't protect love. They wanted to be able to say what they wanted to say because it felt good. This will get them. Don't you look at me. And that feels good for a moment. But if you act like that, here's what you're really doing. You don't trust that God's still on the throne. And you don't trust that he is Lord of everything. I'm not saying you have to agree with everything. That's not my point. I'm not saying you have, you don't, you have to be happy about everything. No, 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 no. But here's one thing I learned, and if you've been coming to our church, you know this. We can agree to disagree, and I can still love you. In fact, I think last week or the week before, I said, you know what? I can agree to disagree with you, but I have to make sure that I agree with you. I'm going to say that again. We can agree to disagree on something, but if you're a follower of Jesus or if you are created by God, at the end of the day, my God calls me to make sure that I'm in agreement with you. Because if my heart is not right with my brother and sister in Christ, that is dividing us. And the one thing the enemy wants to do to the church and to people of God is to divide families, to divide friendships. And you know one of the greatest tools the enemy loves to use? Politics. Don't fall into that trap. Don't do it. And here's the last question and I'm done. Will the decision show love? Lead love, protect love, and will it honor God? And if you can't say that it's going to honor God, then it might be time to turn and pause and pray. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for um, this practical method. I thank you for the questions that Andy, Father, you gave him such wisdom. But God, I thank you for your word in scripture. All the way back in Proverbs, which speaks to our decision-making process. And God, how you call us to seek wisdom as opposed to being foolish. God, I pray for everyone in this room and watching online in the balcony. God, I pray that we would not forget these lessons. I pray, God, that we as husbands and wives, as parents, that before we speak, before we post, before we tweet, that God, we would ask these questions. So that God, when we gather around the Thanksgiving day table, rather than arguments and I was right and you were wrong and ha ha, we would love one another and we would learn from one another. So God, right now we love you, we bless you, we trust you, you are in control and we can rest in that. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. 
If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.